Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome to My Favorite Cub, a brand new podcast as part of the House of L Podcast Network. Very excited for today's episode. Yet another great guest for you, Cubs fans. Uh, a voice that we all know very, very well. Uh, this man has sang the seventh, not sorry, not well, he's done the seventh inning stretch too, but Star Spangled Banner, the national anthem for the Chicago Blackhawks, the Chicago Wolves, and of course, our beloved Chicago Cubs. Uh, without further ado, let's bring on the one, the only Wayne Mesmer. How are you, Wayne? I'm doing all right. You know, it's uh, good to be here. Good to talk sports and uh, good to chat with you. Thank you very much. Um, again, welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. Wayne is also a member of SAG-AFTRA. We're both on strike right now. I'm also a member too. And with that, I'm going to do a little segue here because you were the voice of the Yankees in the movie The Babe, which I was talking with some friends the other day because we were trying to figure out the first baseball movie we saw in theaters. And mine was The Babe. I remember seeing it wow. uh, at the Portage Theater back when I was like, <clears throat> I don't know, eight or something like that. But do you mind telling us about that experience? Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. I, I figured when they were going to be filming in Chicago, I said there's got to be something I can weasel my way into. So I got a uh, got an audition and uh, went down to a hotel in Chicago, and uh, there was uh, the director and the one of the one of the writers and uh, and associate or assistant director as well. And uh, they had been to a couple ball games, and they knew my shtick, and uh, so. I said, well, you know, is there a part? There's got to be an announcer, a voiceover or something. And I said, I'm just interested in being a part of this. They said, well, we really don't have a part written, but uh, we're thinking, you know, along those lines that uh, somewhere there's going to have to be someone who moves the story along and, you know, maybe a, a, a broadcaster or something. He says, well, just just give us something and, and you know, make it up. So I did an extemporaneous, I thought, you know, it's a movie about Babe Ruth, so I described in great detail the called shot uh, from uh, you know from the nineteen thirty two series, and I I you know the weather, the clouds, the crowd, you know throwing lemons and every, all sorts of crazy stuff, and finally I get uh, I get uh, Babe to swing and hit a shot to right center field, and I stopped before it went out, and you know all, all three of them are going keep going keep going. You know, so I, I I finished that and kind of did a, you know, an improv thing. And they said, that's great. We're going to write a part to, to get you in there. And it was neat because everything that I did in the movie, uh, I, not because I was so swell, but it did move the story along. So I didn't, uh, none of it hit the cutting floor. So uh, that was kind of, that was a nice experience. Oh, that's amazing. I love yeah. that you essentially created your own role in a way. Yeah, you know, and it was the New York Yankees radio announcer. And uh, it was funny because uh, I didn't want to shave for the thing. And I thought, oh, brother. So the first day, uh, and it was Arthur Hiller, the director, Academy Award winner. And uh, he says, uh, well, I don't know. I said, okay, let's think about this. 
20s, 30s, the guys who were the broadcasters were coming from theater backgrounds. They were these artsy guys. And it's very conceivable that uh, on the radio, it really didn't matter whether they had a beard or not. And uh, I said, let's, can we try it and see a screen, uh, screen test if you like it and, and leave it? Okay. So they said, fine, which was good because then at least I was recognized. Otherwise, you know, if I'd have been up there without the without the whiskers, they said, oh, man, that looks like you. I know it sounds like you, but uh, yeah, it was me. We always want to be recognized. I know that much. I had a role, not really a role. I had one line that got cut of a TV show, though, but I'm playing pool. Uh, this was a TV show, uh, a TBS TV show called Sullivan and Son. And in the role, I play pool left-handed. And I thought nobody's going to notice this. But my father right. at the time, um, back when he was alive, he was like, were you playing pool left-handed? And I said, yes, Dad. I did that so that the camera would see me better. I wanted the yeah. whole shot to be right there. Instead of just being a guy yelling for a beer in the background, the camera catches me that way. So it's funny that yeah. we all kind of think the same way. It is funny. And, you know, in some of the baseball movies, when, uh, you know, if someone's lefty and they're portraying a right-hander, they will shoot the, sh the shot in reverse. You know, but it looks weird. And uh, John Goodman looked odd swinging left-handed. He know? did. Yeah, there's no it other was, way around it. Was, it. He kind of did. Yeah, it was it was awkward. But uh, I had fun. You know, what the heck? Got me my card, so I took it from there. So, And you're amazing in that role. I'm not, I'm not just blowing smoke because you're on my podcast, but you really were fantastic. You nailed that. What I love about baseball on the radio and well, we're lucky here in Chicago because the Bears radio broadcast is great, too. And the Blackhawks is pretty strong. But baseball in particular on the radio works when you have someone who could be very descriptive. Pat right. Hughes is a Hall of Famer through and through. But I, what I always loved about him was he would tell you the Cubs are wearing their blue socks. They've got their pinstripe. Like he would get every detail just yeah. painting that picture. And you did a great job painting a picture in that movie. Thank you. I, I, I've been a fan of radio forever and been doing it forever, over 40 years. But uh, baseball on the radio is how I really learned to love the game, you know, and uh, really grew up. Uh, my, my favorite team, I mean, I did grow up on the south side, southwest side. And so the White Sox during my childhood were, were the team and the Cubs were pretty lousy. Um, but my team, because we'd go up and spend summers in Wisconsin and my grandparents were the then Milwaukee Braves as a little guy. And... Uh, you know, I just always enjoyed them. And I remember uh, Blaine Walsh and Earl Gillespie were the were the announcers. And, uh, you know, guys talk all the time about uh, very waxing, uh, you know, and rather nostalgic about putting the nine volt radio under their pillow at night when the when the teams were on the West Coast. But uh, and that's what I love about uh, satellite radio, for example. I listen to all kinds of uh, uh, broadcasts and, and really enjoy you know, hearing the voices and exactly what you're talking about. Do they do they really paint a picture or are they just kind of relating what they see? And it's a big difference. You know, there are not uh, there 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 are not many uh, guys around who really do it exceptionally well. well it is know, an like absolute Vin Scully, art. for example, you know, that, you know, just an all time great Vin Scully. I was lucky enough yeah. to when I lived in Los Angeles. I lived in L.A. 2014 to 2017. Uh, my oldest son is six. He was born. We moved back to Chicago. Had to raise him right in the Midwest. But I got to listen to a lot of Vince Scully. Got to hear a lot of Vince Scully. And those were like the last few seasons of his career. And just tremendous. Just takes you, uh, whatever you're doing, he puts you in that booth with him. He puts you in the ballpark. 
And -hmm. I think that's what really good play-by-play radio voices do in the sport of baseball. They put you in the stadium with them and you're seeing what they're seeing. And the painting. I like Charlie Charlie Steiner too, calling the Dodgers. He's good. Uh, He's, he's good. Charlie, uh, when he, let's see, he's gone completely gray. Um, But uh, during his day and my, we're the same height. We had wore the same kind of glasses and uh, it's funny because he'd say every time he'd come to town, I'd, I'd always make a point of you know talking with him. We come become kind of buddies, and I see him up in the booth, and uh, he said, uh, "Let me ask you." You know, he's got that voice like this. And he says, uh, "When I come through O'Hare, people, are, hey Wayne, how you doing? Wayne, how you doing, pal? Hey Wayne." And he says, "Does anyone ever say, hey Charlie, to you?" And I said, "Not in this town, man." <laughs> 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 yeah not this time so yeah. uh wayne i gotta ask now th- this is the point of the podcast after all i t- people i talk to people and ask them who their favorite cub of all time is but first i like to go back we found out that you liked the milwaukee braves growing up which i really can't blame you There's some really great teams then i mean they had aaron and everyone else but who was what was do you remember your first time going to wrigley field yeah yeah and it was uh it's strange because I could never do what I did then. We lived, uh, as I said, in the South Side, so we took the took the bus downtown, and then got on the L and went up. And it was uh, when Maury Wills was uh, breaking the the stolen base record, and uh, I carried a piece of two by four, <laughs> about two feet by maybe not like two by four and a half feet. And on it, I had written "Go, Maury, Go," in like a, a cryptic lettering and stuff, and really made it as fancy as I could. Carried this thing on the bus and on the L, and into the ballpark. A gigantic piece of plywood. I still have it, and uh, it, it's a, it's stuck, you know, behind the, a desk. But I know exactly where it is, and uh, yeah, I remember that vividly. Um, and uh, I had been to, I'd been to uh, a number of White Sox games before that, but my first trip to Wrigley was uh, was a game against the Dodgers. Yep, and, very uh, similar. I remember. And Maury stole a couple bases that day too. Did he get close to the record? That was it toward the end of the no. season or middle of the um, run? No, it was it was, um, it was probably like mid to late July, so he had a ways to go. Great base runner, of course. That record, yeah. I think he had 101 that year. Yeah, he's, Ricky yeah, Anderson was way past it. Yeah. Totally. So that, that great first memory there, right? I, I didn't. I don't remember doing anything like that, but holding that sign, the fact that you still have it is really cool. <laughs> I feel like a lot of parents would have been like, throw that in the alley. Enough of yeah. that. We can't have a two by four lying around the house. That's right. Yeah, it was and kind of going, nuts. That's good though. I, I feel like that's where a good fun passion comes from. We're, we're all a little crazy as sports fans, especially when we're little. So who was the player? Who was the one cub? If someone says to you, who's your all-time favorite cub, favorite, it could be favorite to watch, or it doesn't even have to be like the best cub, just whoever you picture when you think of the Chicago Cubs. Well, it is funny because I I, I had been thinking about this because uh, you had mentioned, uh, you know, that, that I'd be asked this question. And it's tough for me to to uh, decide and pick one out of three guys. You know, there's certainly Ron Sato is 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 my guy. Um, just his courage in playing almost 20 years as a diabetic. 
uh, you know, nine-time All-Star and uh, averaged about 150 games a year from 1961 to 73. And Billy Williams would be the other guy, you know, two Hall of Famers. Uh, I, I'm still irritated, as many of us are, that uh, Ronnie was gone by the time he got the, the call into the Hall of Fame. It's just not, not fair. But uh, Billy would be another guy. And uh, I was there in uh, July of 72 when he went eight for eight in a doubleheader. Wow. And, uh, you know, National League batting champ uh, that year. And, you know, kind of an Iron Man because he went to, what, 1117 consecutive ball games at that time, setting a National League record. But the third guy, I think, is the real Cub Iron Man, and that's Randy Hundley. Hundley, you look at his career from 1966 through 1969 of the six almost 650 games he caught all but 36 of them including 160 games in 1968 come on it's incredible you don't Absolutely see that. incredible and the the thing that is interesting I, mean, I love them as as players um I got so hooked. I remember on a Sunday afternoon, it was an NBC game of the week and they were playing Cincinnati and they went into first place uh, for the first time in, you know, forever. And everybody in the ballpark stuck around and waited for the, uh, for the flags to go up so that they would have the Cubs in first because they have the, you know, the pennants that uh, are the standings. But I was watching that up at, uh, somewhere like White Lake, Wisconsin. It was a Saturday game of the week. And I remember all of a sudden I'm going, wait a minute. I'm a, you know, a little kid. I'm wiping my eye going, why is this happening? I'm kind of a Sox and a Braves fan, but uh, it changed. You know, that, that changed everything. Um, but really what I loved about those three guys is not only uh, their admiration for their, for their game. Um, I do a lot of corporate speaking and I, and I harp on about three things about commitment, attitude, and perseverance. And those guys, they're, they exemplify what it's all about. You know, they, they showed up every day and played the game and played it well, you know, and they, they, um, really when I got involved with the Cubs, brace yourself, 39 years ago, after three years with the White Sox, um, to get to know these guys as regular guys. And again, Joe, you'll, you'll get what I'm saying because the first time they call you me by name, it's like, whoa, suddenly you're 10 years old again. You know what I mean? It's, uh, that happened to me with a couple other guys, uh, with, uh, uh, man, with like Jack Buck, for example. Oh wow! Go on, you know, you go on with uh, Brooks Robinson is another guy. I never forget walking to Comiskey Park in the in the press box. He was, "Hey, how you doing, Wayne?" It was like, uh, uh, you know, it's just you have, and I don't know whether people or kids have that uh, have that respectful admiration now, other than kind of a hero worship, you know. And I'm not sure all these all of them deserve that admiration either, but. Uh, <laughs> It's just some of them don't. <laughs> some many, yeah, some of them don't. Let's put it that way. Yeah. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, there's some, those are three great, and I'm kind of, I, I told some friends of mine with this podcast, I go, it's funny because it's my favorite cub, and I have trouble sticking with one favorite. All three people you named, if we could go back to Ron Santo for a second here, because I 100,000% agree with you that mm-hmm. it is such a shame that they put him in the Hall of Fame after he had passed away. When everyone knew they were going to do that anyway, I just would love to just grab those guys and shake them saying, what were you thinking? You knew I you were going to do it anyway. Why deprive the man? One in particular that uh, I think was the was blocking it. And then I won't mention Mike Schmidt by name, but, you know, yeah. it, uh, <laughs> it's just unfair. And, you know, I, I think when you know the struggle that he that he went through and it's these guys come from the era when. Um, you don't have a free agent every other couple of years and you don't sign a, a gazillion dollar contract for 10 years with an opt out in year three. You know, it's like, that makes no sense. You know, um, the, the players on one team for life, those days are, they might be gone for the most part. Sadly, they are. They're definitely gone. And it's getting even less and less. It used to be you could at least buy someone's jersey and think I could get a decade out of this. And now you're getting six seasons before, you know, they're bringing them up late for, you know, service time manipulation. And then it's like, well, he's a free agent next year. We're not sure. We got to get something for him. So, yeah, that part of the game is the side of the business is getting a little sad. And with Ron Santo, though, he was an inspiration to so many people. Like you said, the contracts were different back then. So he knew, despite having uh, this disease, that he still had to put in 150 games and leave it all out on the field Mm -hmm. to keep getting that paycheck. Uh, Because I'm sure the players' union wasn't as strong back then as it is today. Yeah, for sure. You know, Ronnie was a... And, and Billy and, and and Randy, all of whom I became you know friends with, I'm happy to say. But uh, it's it's that time when they're past their playing days. Um, like Ronnie was always funny, man. It, my wife Kathleen is a big uh, fan as well, and we were at a ball game. I think it was opening day one year, right after Ronnie got his uh, his second prosthesis, which. Uh, he wound up getting three inches taller, by the way. I don't know if people realize that. And they kidded him about that. But he was coming out of the ballpark and we were down by the press entrance. And he could not wait to lift up his pant leg and show my wife that this thing had been painted in cubby blue and had pinstripes and the logo. And he was so proud of it that you almost, uh, I mean, you could not help but be inspired by this guy. When you watch the film, this old cub and you go, man, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could have, could have done that, but he did. He did. And he'd walk up to the press box and Ronnie, can I give you a hand? No, I got it, pal. Boom. You know? And for Cubs fans who have not made that trip up to the press box, that's a long 
walk and there's a lot of stairs. Once you get up to the upper deck level, there's a door by like the, it's the Catalina club. It's called now you go up. Those are a lot of steep stairs. So to make that he's just, was just one of those old school, tough guys and his passion for the Cubs. And that's the thing I've told some people, if you're not going to be, there's two types of announcers or broadcasters. I really love the Pat Hughes style, of course, that just paints an amazing picture and brings you into that world. And then there's the Ron Santo kind where the passion just bleeds through your radio and you feel what he feels. And I love that. that. All you need to do is hear uh, the Brent Brown dropped ball reaction up at County Stadium. Oh, my God. Back in 1998 season. He lost his mind. And uh, you laugh and you cry at the same time because it hurt him. You know, I mean, he physically felt the pain. He wanted it so much. And, you know, for him to have been around in 2016 would have been just a, a grand reward. And, well, Ernie as well, you know. Oh, totally. Uh, Ernie and Ron, That's those are two of those players where you just thought of them after the Cubs won the World Series as far as Cubs players go. Right. You know, it was nice to see Billy Williams was still part of the team and Kerry Wood being kind of like a modern guy who'd played for the Cubs most his career. And, you know, Ryan Dempster, and there's so many great, like, Cubs ambassadors right now who played the, for the team and are still around as fans now and work for the team in some capacity. But I remember those two in particular. You're just like, oh, if life was just a little bit longer, if life was a little bit more fair. Well, if life was fair, the Mets would never have made that comeback in 1969. We know that much. Well, I have never referred to them just as their name is printed. To me, it's the stinking Mets is their name. And... uh you know, I, I have never in all my years referred to them since then as anything but that. I did a narration of an, uh, an ESPN 30 for 30, and it was about the Wrigley lights coming in. And I read the script, and as I'm reading it, it just involuntarily came out. Something we're talking about that year. And the stinking Mets, I said. And they left it in. <laughs> oh, man. Totally. I've, I've told some people, uh, like friends my age, because the way my father and uncles would talk about the Mets, oh. I was like, you know, it depend- it's generational. I know some Cubs fans who, if you had to ask them who they'd rather see win the World Series, like the Cardinals or the Mets, they'd probably say the Cardinals because they yeah. hate the Mets oh, that yeah. much yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. It's, they it, would it's want the World Series not to happen, of course, that season, but if right. they had to choose. Yeah, it's a raw nerve, you know, and... Uh, I mean, that whole year, I mean, again, I, I followed that with great anticipation of uh, something happening. And, you know, we all know the numbers, eight and a half games up in August. And come on, you know, let me hear you. Yeah, they they still won 92 games that year, but it just was not enough as, as I believe the Mets won 100. Well, my generation has that with the Marlins. I, I hear the Marlins oh. and I get very upset. Yeah. I mean, talk about a team with no history, really, because and the Mets were similar at the time. They were an expansion team. Sure. There yeah. wasn't a lot of suffering Mets fans yet because they'd only been a team for a handful of uh, seasons. There should be more, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, 100% agree with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really from that generation. The uh, uh, interesting thing, though, is I always think about after the 57 series, uh, season, you pick up a newspaper and you hear rumors, but then all of a sudden, Guess what? The Giants and the Dodgers are both leaving. And you think, I mean, imagine it would be like, well, if we had three teams here. But, uh, you know, hey, Cubs and the White Sox are moving to, you know, Las Vegas and 
somewhere else, you know, what, and, you know, national league fans and what a rich tradition with the giants and the, and the Dodgers there in Brooklyn and New York, but it's like, wait a minute. The only team left is the one that I hate the Yankees, you know, that had to be a nightmare for those folks. And I've talked to as many of old, many old timers as I possibly could. I said, how old were you when that happened? I was 12 years old. Ooh, still angry. You know? Yeah. There was a lot of, I've, I've talked to some people like that too. That is a crazy thing to think about. First of all, that new, I mean, New York's still probably big enough where they could have three teams, right. but to have three teams, two of them leave. And then, yeah, then you're stuck with the team that people view as like the evil empire of baseball right. in a way. And then, um, the, you know, incredible. salt in the wound when the when the Dodgers then go out and they, you know, they play in the Coliseum. And the two years later, they not only play in the World Series, but win it. Yeah, you know, totally. Like, oh, man. They had those great Dodger teams in the 60s. As a, as a Brooklyn citizen, you have to be like, those are our championships. Those yeah, are our exactly. Teams. I know. We drafted a lot of those guys and scouted those guys that won the World Series with them in '62, and you know, with Koufax and Drysdale. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I've never had to experience that. But yeah. the Bears, uh, we had the Bears and Chicago Cardinals. We just have the Bears now. Um, thankfully, that was long enough ago. But I did find this interesting. I know a lot of Chicago citizens. Not a lot. They're a small minority, thankfully, but they're Packers fans. And I've asked them, I go, why are you a Packers fan living in Chicago? You know, they're, they're about 40 years old, some of these people. And they said, oh, my grandfather was a Chicago yeah. Cardinals fan. And when they left, he refused to root for the Bears. So they right. went further yeah. north. Yeah. Yeah. Totally happens. All right, let, me, let me ask you this question in closing here. Yeah. Um, so we've got three great names, all for great reasons. Great players on the field, gave it their all. Great people off the field, too. Very important. Is there, if you could choose, and you could, you don't have to do for all three, but if there's one moment of them on the field you could think of when you, when you hear Ron Santo and you're taking him in the batter's box or at the hot corner, what's, excuse me, what's the one moment you're like, that's Ron Santo? Well, you know, I, I think even as a, while he's in uniform, right? Yes. I'll, retire, I'll give you a quick example for myself just yeah, to make well, it really retiring, The retiring of his number. See, yeah, but that would be a great gets. Yeah, but as a player, let me do some thinking. Yeah, I'll give you my I'm gonna tell the listeners my uh my example because I was talking about this with some friends not that long ago, where we were at the Cubs game and I was looking at it was during a rain delay, so they were bringing out the tarp, and I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, Anthony Rizzo is definitely my favorite cub of this like last 15 years era. And yet when I think Anthony Rizzo, I think of him making that great catch on the tarp even before the final out, you'd think it'd be the final out, but for whatever reason, that moment on the tarp that was during the 2016 season, it was like an early August game was just another reminder that I'm like, this team's going to do something special. There's just too many little moments that are, they're going to lead to some big moment of how special this team is. So Anthony Rizzo, my favorite moment of him is him making that amazing catch where he stood up on the tarp and falls oh, into sure. the crowd. Yeah. Well, I remember uh, Ronnie making some just remarkable diving stops uh, shot down the line and then something that uh, really worked against him primarily from New York writers was the uh, the click of the heels you know after the game as they're heading down back when the, the you know the, the clubhouse was really a, a dump 
way down in the left field area. Now they've got this 30,000 foot, uh, you know, palace that they uh, can dress in. It's a barbershop uh, in there. Yeah. But it's, it's, and then how cruelly ironic that, uh, you know, the, he would jump and click his heels, both of which he would ultimately lose to the disease of diabetes. Um, it, it's just his spirit, you know, uh, you know, the long time public address announcer, Pat Piper, you know, third base, number 10, Santo, Ron Santo. So yeah, baby, we're good now. You know? Yeah. You got to love moments like that. Yeah, totally. Uh, and Randy Hunley, any moments of Randy Hunley that just kind of stick out to you? Other than uh, well, it would be in uh, in Shea Stadium. It would be Shea Stadium. Uh, the uh, uh, oh man, Tommy Agee trying to score and uh, does score and is called safe at home plate. And I've never seen that. I've never seen Randy jump so high in his life, and he just went wild. And I'll tell you, been been a part of his. Uh, uh, fantasy camp for a number of years, which uh, unfortunately is now kind of dormant. But uh, <clears throat> I'd, if you'd ever want to get him going, and he was, he still is a sharp dresser, you know, and uh, say, Randy, you know, I went over that film, kind of like, you know, frame by frame, like the Zabruder film. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure Tommy Agee was safe. You better turn around and run. You know, because that's <laughs> I wouldn't dare. <laughs> that's the hot button with him. But he wouldn't cuss at you. He's oh, I'm gonna kick your blooming fanny. Is out. That's about as <laughs> uh, you know what what a what a wonderful guy. And Billy, Billy has never greeted me in the past 30 years or more without without just a oh say can you see is how he says hello to me every single time. I said, Billy, you got to sing that one day. No, no, no. Yeah. It'll be fun. Would love to see hear Billy Williams sing. Yeah. Billy Williams is another guy with a very infectious smile. That Those 60s Cubs teams, it's uh, it doesn't take much, much research to figure out why they're so near and dear to so many fans of that era's heart. I mean, you talk to anybody who grew up watching those 60s Cubs teams and their face lights up thinking about it. And then they get a little bit of like... You know, a little tear thinking, oh, there should have been so much more to that team. But, wow, what a great group of players. Yeah, it was, really. I know. it's it's uh, Those are fun memories. It's fun to uh, have been a part of the of the organization for, you know, almost four decades. Uh, I've seen some great, great games. Uh, obviously, uh, the 2016 World Series to be handed the microphone and to walk out there and unaccompanied sing uh, God Bless America and the National Anthem with literally the world watching, you know? Um, and uh, I thought, man, this is, this is why I took music lessons. This is why I studied. This is why I practiced for, for this very moment, you know? And it was, uh, it's something that I, I will never forget. So I think that's obviously one of my favorite uh, moments of all time. Well, Wayne, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. I really appreciate you for joining us for My Favorite Cub here on the House of L Podcast Network. If I could say to you in closing, to so many Chicagoans, to so many Cubs, Wolves, Blackhawks fans, hearing you sing the national anthem means we were going to have a good day. That's how I quit. I'm like, Wayne's singing. We're going to have a good day uh, because we knew we're going to see a great game right afterwards at one of our favorite places. So your voice is etched in my mind and so many Chicagoans. So, yes, I'm closing the podcast by doing a little bit of brown nosing, but I can't help it. 
Thank you so oh, much, Wayne, for being I on the podcast. I appreciate those kind words. Thanks, Joe. It's been, been great being with you. Thank you very much. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.